Southwestern family of companies welcomes you to the Action Catalyst. Each week, our diversely and amazingly accomplished guests share their insights and inspirations to help us ignite our own. So let's invest attention together to breathe, to reflect and refocus, and decisively defeat that voice we call Mr. Mediocrity. Then let's enjoy moving forward to make a positive difference in our world. We look forward to sharing our guest with you today. Alan Stein Jr. teaches proven strategies to improve organizational performance, create effective leadership, increase team cohesion and collaboration, and develop winning mindsets, rituals, and routines. A successful business owner and veteran basketball performance coach, he spent 15 years working with the highest performing athletes on the planet, including NBA superstars Kevin Durant, Stephen Curry, and Kobe Bryant. In his corporate keynote programs and workshops, Alan reveals how to utilize the same approaches in business that elite athletes use to perform at a world-class level. He delivers practical lessons that can be implemented immediately. The strategies from Alan's book, Raise Your Game, High Performance Secrets from the Best of the Best, are implemented by corporate teams and sports teams around the country. His inspirational words are featured on a 12-foot mural outside the Penn State Football Training Center so that players run past it on the way to practice every day. Enjoy this episode. Well, welcome to the Action Catalyst, everyone. So happy today to have Alan Stein Jr. as our guest. He brings experiences to what we're all dealing with because this is being recorded the day after the president announced an extension of another 30 days all of our distancing and safety guidelines. So Alan brings a wealth of experience in helping people through challenging situations, having worked with not only some great corporations over the years, but also some of the most competitive performance athletes anywhere at any time. We know these experiences will be extremely helpful to all of us. So Alan, welcome to the Action Catalyst. Oh, my pleasure to be here. It's great to connect with you, Dan. Well, we appreciate your time today. Uh, I wonder if you could maybe share some of the the main pivot points in, in your life that sort of led you into the, the learnings that you've gained and the ability to help people through challenging circumstances? Most certainly. Uh, you know, I was taught at a very young age, and I, I think if I had to give the best piece of advice I've ever been given, it's uh, find the intersection between what you're really good at and what you enjoy most. You know, what where you have some natural talents and, and where you're most passionate. And for most of my entire life, that has been around the game of basketball. Uh, I fell in love with the game at four or five years old. And here, four decades later, uh, basketball is still a major staple in my life. And uh, now I've, I've had lots of twists and turns uh, between being four and being 44, which I am at present day. Uh, but they've all had something to do with the game of basketball. And, and I'm, I'm so thankful that I've been able to, to kind of combine my love for a game uh, with something that I believe I've had some natural acumen with. And that's, that's leading others, uh, inspiring, teaching, coaching, uh, anything under that leadership umbrella. Uh, I did spend most of my career as a basketball performance coach, uh, helping uh, elite players on the court run faster and jump higher and improve their athleticism. Uh, and then four years ago, I, I made a very uh, purposeful pivot into the corporate world uh, where I now work as a keynote speaker and an author and help uh, executives and leaders um, and teams do the exact same thing in business that those elite athletes did on the court, which is maximize their performance. But most of what I share in the business world today is through the lens of someone 
that spend all of their time uh, around the game of basketball. So, uh, and, and certainly I don't think anyone has seen anything close to what we're all experiencing right now with this pandemic, but there are certainly portions of other areas of life that we can and should draw from, you know, ways that we, um, overcome adversity, the way that we view different challenges, you know, uh, and I, I'm drawing on my background very heavily to make sure not only that myself and my family can be prosperous during this time, but I'm, I'm certainly hoping that I can be of value to others uh, so that they can get through this trying time as well. Well, I'm sure that's going to happen. And that's what I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. Um, you, your book that's, uh, that's out now, we want to hear more about that later, but it's really called Raise Your Game. And it seems as though this entire environment we're all in is causing each of us as individuals to have to raise our games. Uh, what, what ways have you kind of observed that in your loved ones and your family and friends around you? How are people raising their games so that we can all derive inspiration from them? Well, well, specifically with the acuteness of what we're going through now, I just think it's important that folks uh, take a deep breath, um, acknowledge and admit that, that this is really and truly, I mean, as, as cliche as it sounds, it's an unprecedented time because no one's ever gone through this before. And that now it's vital to have very high self-awareness and be able to process and manage and understand uh, the more than likely roller coaster of emotions that you're feeling right now. I mean, I, I know for myself, I mean, I've been on somewhat of a roller coaster these past few weeks as well with varying degrees of feeling anxious and worried to other degrees of feeling very optimistic and positive um, to now I'm at a point now where, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the current state of the world almost as a challenge. And, and that excites me. It's almost like a Rubik's cube that I'm trying to figure out, you know, as a professional keynote speaker, I make most of my living on stages in front of live audiences. Uh, so this coronavirus is in some way, shape or form decimated my, my livelihood but I'm not dwelling on that. Instead, I'm figuring out what other skill sets do I have and what other ways can I add value to other people uh, so that I can pivot during this time. And, you know, I don't know that we'll ever go back to a normal, but when things do get back to somewhat resembling what they were before, you know, that stuff will just naturally pick up. So right now I'm, I'm looking at this as a challenge and, you know, to, to draw on a basketball analogy, you know, I was able to work for a few elite level coaches. And, you know, if you picture a coach drawing up a game plan and in the first three minutes of the game, their best player picks up three fouls and is going to have to sit for a while. Well, they can pretty much tear up the game plan that they had before because everything has changed now and they can whine about it and cry about it and, and yell at the referee and be disappointed in their player or they can just put that in the rear view mirror and refocus their lens on, okay, now that my best player has to sit out, what do I need to do now to give my team the best chance to be successful? And that's how I'm viewing this state of affairs. And, and I certainly don't say that lightly. You know, I know that people are, they're losing loved ones. Uh, people are losing their retirement money. People are, are being laid off. They're losing jobs. And I don't want to make light of any of those scenarios because that, that those are big obstacles to overcome. Uh, but at some point, Everyone needs to be able to refocus that lens and decide what is the best that I can do right now with the information that I have and the skills that I have. And, and that's what I'm, I'm really trying to help folks focus on. That is a fantastic message, Alan. What is the best I can do right now with the skills I have and the knowledge that I have at this moment? Hopefully I captured that correctly. That's exactly. You did. That was perfect. Now that is a, that is a brilliant, brilliant insight. Um, do you find that in, in coaching athletes, what, what's the best way for them to, to focus on their own controllable actions as opposed to looking up and it's 
it's fourth quarter and they're 19 points behind. The two things that I firmly believe all of us athletes or not, uh, there's only two things that we have 100% control over 100% of the time. And that's our own attitude and our own effort. Uh, now, there's certainly other things that we can have a very heavy influence over. There's other things we can impact, um, you know, things like preparation and enthusiasm. Uh, but, but I really believe preparation and enthusiasm are just somewhat combinations of effort and attitude. Uh, so for me, uh, and this is even more important during times of crisis or during times of adversity, is, is getting razor sharp on your own attitude and effort because that is what you can control. Uh, and as soon as you spar- start spending too much time anxious and worried about things outside of your control, it starts to negatively affect the things that you do have control over. And, you know, if we look at effort, I mean, effort is always a choice. Uh, You know, a lot of people will admit that working hard is a choice, but they won't admit the other side of that coin, which means if working hard is a choice, well, then not working hard is also a choice. And uh, people rarely own up to that side of it. More times than not, if you ask the average person why they chose not to give their best effort, they'll come up with some type of excuse. Uh, they'll blame somebody else or they'll just complain about the state of things uh, and, and make it seem as if they couldn't have given their best effort because the way the rest of the world is. And, and I'm so big on self-accountability that I try never to hide behind that. So uh, your effort and, and right now, the effort that you give during this quarantined period um, is completely up to you. And, and once again, I, I want to make sure that I, I keep the, the disclaimer that just because something is, is basic in premise doesn't mean it's easy to do. I'm not saying that waking up every day after you've been laid off from your job and giving your best effort towards something is easy to do because it's not. But it is basic and it is in your control. And the sooner you're willing to own that, the better off your future will be. Uh, And then on the attitude side, I mean, this one is so true. I mean, I have three young children. I have twin sons that are 10 years old and I have a daughter that will be eight in June. And as probably most parents have said to their children at some time, you know, you don't control what happens to you, but you control how you respond or you react. Well, that's medicine all of us need to be taking right now, uh, given that we have very little control over this, this pandemic and this crisis. I mean, really, the only control we have is is guarding our own yard and making sure that we're staying in and social distancing and being responsible and doing our part. But outside of that, we have no control. And we need to make sure that we're responding no matter what the, the government says, no matter what society says, no matter what your friend says on Facebook, that you're reacting and you're responding in the most positive way possible that's going to move you forward. Uh, people need to realize that what you're doing right now during this quarantine period is laying the foundation for what you're going to be able to do when this, this ban is lifted and we're all allowed to go back to normal. So I'm, I'm hoping that everyone's inspired by the challenge of setting the table appropriately now so that you can eat well when things get better. Mm-hmm. You said something about your, your children. Can you share any insights on how you're coaching them? Because undoubtedly they have their their own anxieties, their own fears, as well as the delight of maybe, maybe getting a bit more sleep and all those things that kids look forward to. Absolutely. So well said. You know, I'm a big believer as a father, um, you know, modeling the behavior that you want to see in your children is most important. You know, I can tell my children till I'm blue in the face that it's important to be respectful of others. But then if they see me disrespecting a waiter or, or somebody at the valet, uh, they're going to believe and do what I do, not what I say. So, a lot of this has to do with, with me trying to live out and model the behavior that I'm, I'm sharing with you and your audience right now. 
you know, I'm 44 years old. And when I look back, I mean, really, there have been plenty of ups and downs, but I, I've really only lived through one other major crisis, and, and that would be 9-11. Um, I know folks much older than me have, have lived through some others, but for me, 9-11 was a very pivotal moment. And here, almost 20 years later, uh, I do believe that while they're completely different circumstances, uh, this is certainly rivaling 9-11 as far as the impact it's having on the world. Uh, so that means, give or take, right now, I'm, I'm on average for going through a crisis once every 20 years. Well, I'm 44 years old, so uh, assuming I'm going to be on the planet for another 40 to 50 years, I'm probably going to have another couple of crises to go through at some point, uh, and my children certainly will. So I want to make sure that I'm modeling the best behavior for them now so that when they're older and they go through whatever their 9-11 is or their coronavirus, that they're prepared to handle it uh, with, with the mindset and the perspective that I'm handling this now. Uh, so I talk very openly with them. You know, I let them know when I am a little anxious or worried about something. You know, I let them know that when I immediately saw most of my speaking calendar decimated within a 48-hour period, that that was certainly some cause for some concern, but that I was going to view that as a challenge and I was going to enjoy the process of figuring out, okay, my main source of income has now been postponed. What can I do in the meantime? Uh, and most importantly, and, and I do believe this with every ounce of my being, uh, during times of adversity, it's most important to try to serve others and to be grateful for the things that you have. You know, I know that during this pandemic, uh, there's a lot of people that have, uh, a, uh, I have it a lot worse than I have it right now. And I, I should be very grateful uh, for my health and my children's health uh, that I am able to do some work virtually and earn some income. You know, so I want to be thankful for those things. And I want to be all about service. You know, I want to help people when things are down. It's easy to help people when things are going great. You know, when, when, when the economy's booming and I'm doing tons of speaking engagements, that's easy to help people then. But if I'm really worth my salt, I'm going to help people when things are down. And, and I want them to see that. And I, those are principles that I base my life on. So I just want to model it for them. But we've had some really connected, open conversations. Uh, I choose as a parenting philosophy, uh, I don't really talk to my children as if they're, you know, eight and 10 years old. You know, I talk to them as if they are the young adults that they're going to grow up to be. Now, that is within reason. I'm certainly not sharing certain things that, that might heighten their anxiety or fear or keep them up at night, but I'm very honest with them about what's going on in the world because uh, I don't, I don't want to hide anything from them. I want them to see how I've approached this challenge and this crisis because then I want them to be able to do that whenever they have to face their own. Wow, that is so powerful. You know, in, in teaching sales leaders, we often say that the people that you're leading will do about half of what they see you do right and twice as much of what they see you do wrong. And I think you're talking about that with parenting as well. So true. Well said. I think that's fantastic. Um, we could all use some inspiration. Evidently, there is a quotation by you that the players of one of our biggest, most powerful athletic programs pass each day as they're on the way to the practice field. Could you share that, the quotation at Penn State? Sure. So it's, uh, are the habits you have today on par for the dreams you have for tomorrow? And, you know, uh, as someone that's been consuming self-development content for most of my life, you know, I'm, I'm sure that there have been some other people uh, much more accomplished than myself that have said something very similar. So very fortunate that, that that's up at Penn State, um, which was just really cool when I had found that out. So, uh, and I had an opportunity to speak to their team uh, this past August. So it really kind of connected the dots and made things full circle and what a tremendous program that is. So it's a, a real honor to have that up on their wall. 
Well, they borrowed Coach Franklin from our Vanderbilt team here locally. So yes, they sure did. Yeah, that's that's amazing. So say the quote one more time, please, Alan. Are the habits you have today on par for the dreams you have for tomorrow? Are the habits you have today on par for the dreams you have for tomorrow? You know, there's so many good things in that. It's the embodiment of preparation. It's the embodiment of, of optimism. It's the embodiment of purpose today for fulfillment tomorrow. It's about delayed gratification. It's about doing the right things today, even when we don't know how they're going to play out tomorrow. There's a lot in that quote. Well, Brilliant. And, and, and here's, here's how I've adopted that to my own life right now. So as I mentioned previously, I'm, I'm 44 years old. Um, and I, I have this loose vision of the man that I want to become 20 years from now. So, so who do I want the 64-year-old Alan to be? Well, without getting into too much detail, you know, I want to be someone that is mentally, emotionally, and physically fit when I'm 64. Uh, I want to be someone that has a deep and strong connection with my children and my family. Uh, I want to be someone that at that time is doing what I believe to be meaningful and purposeful work that serves other people. So that's kind of the loose vision uh, of who I want to be in 20 years. And now every decision that I make in my life, I run through this binary filter of will saying yes to this take me closer to being that man or will it make me go further away? Uh, is doing this thing going to take me closer to being that guy I want to be in 20 years, or is it going to actually move me in the other direction? And uh, I'm certainly far from perfect. Uh, all human beings, we're all fallible. But my goal is to make sure that most of the decisions that I make most days are in alignment with that person that I want to be. Uh, and I'm very confident that if most of the decisions I make most days are in alignment, then that's who I'll become. You know, uh, certainly I, I don't control what could happen to me. So if I don't live to 64, then I guess that's irrelevant. But assuming I do, uh, then that's the person I'm going to be because I'm making decisions today that are in alignment with that. And, and that alignment between belief and behavior is so important. And, and lots of not only individuals, but organizations don't have that alignment. Uh, you see their, their mission statement and their vision. You know, it's on their trifold brochure. It's on their website. Some even have an emblazoned golden plaque behind the front desk of their mission and vision. And then you walk in and you spend 20 minutes with them and you realize that the behavior of everyone in that organization is not in alignment with that, that mission or vision. You know, they talk a good game about who they think they are, but their behavior shows otherwise. And, and that would be how I would describe a, a poor work environment or a poor work culture is that they don't have the alignment between beliefs and behavior. Well, it creates real cognitive dissonance when the stated mission is one thing, but all the behaviors are the opposite. And that really messes with people. And that starts with leadership. Like we said before, if the leadership is not living their life in alignment with what it is that they expect everyone else to do, that team's got no chance. I mean, they, it's already hard to get any group, organization, a, a group of individuals to come together and have the buy-in and believe in required to accomplish the lofty goals that most organizations have. But it has to start at the top. If the leader doesn't live those things every day of their life during the scene and the unseen hours, that team has no shot. In a crisis like we're all dealing with right now, it goes a long way towards stripping away facades and revealing who we truly are. Sure does. Well, I think it's amazing. Now, you used a phrase a few moments ago that may have just slipped by because it almost slipped by me. You said when you realize that the major source of your income had been postponed, well, that word postponement is full of optimism. Oh, you know, absolutely. A lot of people are saying their major source of income disappeared or their business all canceled, but you said postponed. And I think that itself tells us something about your mindset. 
Most certainly. Well, in in the speaking world, you know, and it's funny because um, I have lots of speaking colleagues that have been in the professional speaking circuit much longer than I have. So they they were professional speakers when 9-11 happened and, and when the recession of 2007 and 2008 happened. So they've seen things kind of ebb and flow and and they've given their opinion of when things will again go back to normal if there ever will be a normal again. Uh, and I just have the optimism that you know, uh, the, the speaking world and the training world and the development world and, and serving others, it's going to come back at some point. Now, whether that'll be in three months or six months or two years, I certainly don't have a crystal ball. I don't know, but I know that it will get back at some point. And that's how I choose to look at it is simply postponed. Uh, and the other thing, it's so important at a time like this. It's so easy for us to look internally and think, okay, you know, woe is me. I'm a speaker. I'm not doing any engagements now. My income is hurting. Oh, this sucks for me. But when you take a second and step outside of yourself, just let's just use the narrow world of the speaking world, you know, of, of the speaking industry. You know, I'm not in this by myself. Certainly I've got colleagues in the same boat, but you know, I've got lots of wonderful bureau partners whose entire job is to book speakers for events. Well, those people are hurting now too. You know, you've got meeting planners that their sole job is to put on events for others. Those people are hurting. The corporations are hurting, hurting. You know, lots of these groups hold annual events and they spend sometimes, you know, uh, multiple six figures to bring all of their team in for a very inspiring, impactful educational week or weekend or few days. And now they're not able to do that either. So there's lots of people that are are heavily affected by this. And, you know, it took me about 24 hours to kind of uh, quit stewing in my own poo and say, all right, this isn't just about me. Let me look at all the other people that are hurting too. And how can I help support them? Uh, and that was why, you know, one of the first things I did was reach out to my bureau partners and meeting planners and say, hey, what can I do to help you? Uh, just know that if, if you have any clients that, that need a virtual pick me up or a webinar, I'm here for you. Like, I'm not worried about charging anybody. Like, I'm just here to give and help others. Uh, because inevitably, uh, as you said so brilliantly and with so much insight, right now we're all revealing our true character. And uh, I want to make sure that in a time of need and a time of crisis, that my character shines bright. And um, I'm, I'm confident that that will sustain me when things go back to normal. And it's okay to press on through fear, isn't it? Absolutely. Alan? We're all feeling that. Wow. That's, uh, that's powerful. And incidentally, when you were born, I was 20. Oh, okay. So uh, what you're saying kind of resonates. Absolutely. And we're all going to become a future self. You know, God willing, we get through this and other crises. We're going to be a future self. We can't suddenly become that person. We're in the process of becoming it every day. Well, and you know, the other thing I do when I, when I look at something like this and, and, and please know too, that not you in particular, but anybody listening to this, that, that I'm, I'm positive and I'm optimistic. Uh, but that doesn't mean my entire life is Pollyanna. That doesn't mean that I don't have negative thoughts or that I, I don't have times of being somewhat cynical or pessimistic or that I just think everything is hunky dory at all times. Uh, no, but I do have a firm belief that if you do the right things, things will unfold the way they're supposed to and the future will be bright. And, and that is, it's just, it's critical to look at things like that. And, you know, again, it's easy for me to say right now, given someone that I have my health, my children have their health. Yes, I'm in quarantine, but I'm still able to see those that I love. I'm still able to serve others. And while my job has pivoted, 
you know, I'm still able to do things. Uh, I don't have it near as bad as a lot of people do. And I could certainly understand right now if you were listening to this and you had a relative that, that got COVID-19 and it's been really sick and you just got laid off from your job uh, and, you know, you've got an infant at home so you can't ever get any sleep. I could understand why someone might be listening to this and either rolling their eyes or potentially even giving the speakers the finger uh, while I'm, I'm, I'm talking about this stuff. But the way I look at it right now, you can make two lists. You can make a list of all of the negative ways that this is affecting your life, but you can also make a list of all of the positive ways. And, and during a crisis, it's harder sometimes to see that list of positive things, but it's there. And I just choose to, and I'm aware of both lists. This is not about having my head in the sand or not paying attention. I'm aware of both lists. I'm just choosing to pay more attention to and feed the list of positive things. I mean, as we kind of joked about before, I mean, when else are you going to have a four to six week staycation where you can just stay at home and, and get some things done? I mean, this, this never happens. Well, I want to take advantage of that. You know, I'm, I'm writing my second book. I'm, I'm working on some other projects that had been slower to get to because my schedule was busy before this. So I'm trying to focus on those positive things, but I'm not ignoring the negative. I know that they're there. Um, but I also think that generally speaking, um, between the media and social media, that negative list gets heightened and highlighted probably 10 to one what the positive list does. And, and I don't think it's that out of balance. So it really just comes down to what do you choose to focus on? And, and for me, I'm going to, I'm going to choose to focus on the things right now that are, that are positive. I think it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, tell us a little bit about your book. Uh, the actual title is raise your game. I performance secrets from the best of the best and, and how people can get it. Sure. Well, the book's been out just over a year. It came out in January of 2019, and it is my first book. Uh, I've been a voracious reader uh, ever since college, and there have been so many books and so many authors that have really had a pivotal impact on my own life and my perspective. And I thought that if I had an opportunity to ever to contribute to that, to write something that could be a positive resource for someone else, um, that, that that was something I, I really wanted to do. And uh, I also realized that in my 20 years of being a basketball performance coach and being able to watch, work with, and observe the best players and coaches in the world, that I was privy to a lot of information that I saw during the unseen hours that a lot of people weren't privy to. And, and I'm a big believer that a candle loses nothing by lighting another candle. You know, if, if I have some information, if I share that with you, Dan, that doesn't take anything away from me. All it does is add something to your bucket. And then if you share that with your audience, which you do so brilliantly, now you're filling their bucket. And meanwhile, nothing has been removed from me. Nothing has been taken away. So I'm such a big believer in, in giving and serving and putting that out there. That was the main impetus for writing the book. And, and really, I just took all of the stories and lessons that I had learned throughout my life in the basketball space and show people how to apply those not only to their own life, but specifically to their business. And, you know, uh, what, what are some of the mindsets that a guy like Kobe Bryant or Kevin Durant or Stephen Curry had? And how can you apply those to what you're doing and with your craft? And I tried to write it in a very specific way that even if you don't like basketball or you don't like sports, that's irrelevant. I mean, you're going to hear some sports stories and lessons for sure in the book, but that the actual lesson on how you can apply it to your life it's not about basketball. It's about something much bigger than that. And, and I've certainly learned that leadership has very high utility, that, that excellent leaders would be excellent leaders in any industry and any genre. In fact, I think one of the things that's helped my parenting the most is living out these lessons of leadership that I learned through basketball and I've learned through business. So 
Uh, I do hope the book is a helpful resource to anyone that, that chooses to pick it up. And uh, it's funny, I've been getting tons of, of bulk and team orders during this quarantine of very uh, conscious and innovative leaders that want their people to have something to do during this downtime. So I've had tons of people order books and then send them out individually to their team or just leave them in a, a box on their doorstep to practice safe social distancing and folks just come by and pick one up as they want. And then they virtually get together once every couple of weeks and they kind of chat about what they've been reading. So it's been really neat to, to see the book be helpful in this time of need. Oh, I think that's absolutely fantastic. So I'm, I'm so glad to hear it. Well, Alan, time with you flies by really, really quickly. And your insights and your wisdom are definitely going to stick with me. And I know they will with our listeners, too. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Dan. This was awesome to finally connect, my friend. You bet. Stay the course and keep making a difference as you are. Very best to you and your family. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe. To stay updated on everything that the Action Catalyst is up to, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst Podcast and Twitter at Catalyst underscore Action. Thanks for listening.